Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Every, the other part of that, of course, is where's the filter for the HVAC system is on the return air side. So that, you know, from my perspective, just as an indoor air quality professional, I've always been trying to figure out some better way to do that because, uh, okay, so let's put all the contaminants in the house and then we'll catch them at the end. Uh, and, and originally, of course, the filters on the heating and cooling system were designed just to protect the fan motor. They just didn't want big, sure. you know, bugs and stuff jumping in there and, and messing up. The cat out of that. Yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, from, a, from a contamination standpoint and from a health standpoint, that's probably not the best way to run our HVAC systems. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. and Caroline B., where we talk everything about your home every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Caroline. How are you doing today? Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. We've got another fun show ahead. We're going to be talking air quality, and I'm kind of excited about this one. So we've got Rachel with Air Answers and Michael with Wonder Makers. Welcome to Around the House, guys. Thank you. We're well, thank you so much. So excited to be here. Absolutely. I'll second so, that. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be fun. So let's talk, Rachel, a little bit about what is Air Answers? Ooh, well, Air Answers is a system. It's a system of uh, including a device, a device that has a technology to capture uh, biological particles. Um, there is a cartridge in the device. You send the cartridge into the laboratory and our laboratory does an analysis for different types of biological particles like uh, allergens, uh, mycotoxins, different types of mold, actively growing mold. Um, well, we even do uh, some things that affect uh, particularly cannabis plants, um, for example, like powdery mildew. So we do a variety of different things. Oh, and COVID. We do that as well. And this is just so people know our audience can't see it, but it's a device. I, I call it sort of like an Alexa, right? It's got the yeah. shape of an Alexa that would sit on your desk or sit in your room or office or kitchen or family room. And it's going to collect this data that's going to give you some interesting information about your home and tell you if you're exposed to anything that could be unhealthy. Yeah, because you don't always know um, what's in your environment. If you can't see it or if you can't smell it, you're not really sure. Um, this can kind of help you make the uh, invisible visible, so to speak. So you know what's in your environment, what you're exposed to, and uh, what you can do to reduce those amounts that are in your environment. That's cool. That's cool. So then you know what's going on. And then, Michael, let's talk a little bit about what you do. Well, uh, we're uh, indoor environmental consultants, and so we try and help um, homeowners and businesses uh, as well with uh, just about any sort of indoor contaminant. So that uh, matches really well with what Rachel was talking about with what the Air Answers does. Everything from uh, helping to write protocols during the COVID pandemic in terms of proper cleaning and um, maintenance and that sort of stuff to asbestos inspections, lead-based paint. Uh, we do a lot of work with mold, uh, actually, uh, I wrote the first textbook on mold remediation, all 360 pages. And if you do that, people somewhere expect that you know something about the subject. So <laughs> let's just go with that. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm sure you guys got some real world stories about Rachel, for instance, of what are some of the things that you guys run into out there? Wow. Well, it's good that you brought that up. Um, we have been doing some air monitoring specifically at, at different conferences around the country. Um, and we did one of the conferences we went to, we, we set these devices up 
And again, these devices are size of like an Alexa um, or the size of like a, a box of tissues. And uh, we set them all up in high traffic areas, areas like um, um, the registration area, eating areas, areas where you're going to get a lot of people. And uh, we went to one of the conferences. It was it was an excellent conference. Um, we monitored during the whole time of that conference. And what we found is we found really high amounts of actively growing mold, like off the charts. And nice. we did find COVID in uh, some of the areas that were specifically the registration area, um, a pretty decent level there. We found a lot of mold. And I'm, I'm saying in the room, you wouldn't smell it. You don't see it. You would have no idea that there's particularly mold there. We found out later on that the room itself, uh, due to COVID, had not had any meetings in it for two years. And I guess at that point in time, squatters got in. And squatters oh, were living in the room. <laughs> and all of this only- conversation is up Eric's alley. We're talking about Eric is Eric speaks at the National Home Builder Show. He's he's out at KBiz. He's a big speaker on the network, going to all these conferences. And we're always like, "Go, oh, you're gonna get COVID when you go." And he did get COVID when he came back yep. from speaking. Yep. He also knows that. Orlando, which is a place where, you know, a lot of conferences happen in Florida. It's moldy central down there. So everything. Tell them about your hotel experience. So I'm allergic to mold and mildew and that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. it didn't matter if I was walking into the Hard Rock or the Hyatt Regency Hotel, which are both nice hotels in Florida. When I walk in, I go, I can't breathe. It's just (laughs) it's it's musty. Um Obviously, the hotel industry in Florida has no idea what a dehumidifier does. Um, (laughs) But to to jump on what you're saying, Rachel, is interesting because two years before COVID, so this would have been the the 2019 show, I think it was, I was up on a stage and we had, I was working with Velux Skylights Mm -hmm. and we couldn't keep the Velux Skylights closed for our seminars and it was because they had the the air monitoring system hooked up to it and our carbon dioxide levels were so high <laughs> that it was trying to ventilate our displays <laughs> so they just kept opening on us and we actually had to disable that so we could keep them closed because it was trying to put in fresh air into the house even though it was mounted in a show space in <laughs> Las Vegas wow that's crazy. Uh, yeah, you just don't always know what's what's in your environment. You go in and you don't really smell or see anything. You have no idea really what you're exposed to until you start looking around and monitoring it and, and seeing what's there. Um, but after the squatters, what we did find out is once they moved all the squatters out, they set it up for a, another event before the conference we were in. And uh, that event involved a lot of partying, a lot of... Um, maybe getting sick on the floor and, oh. what, <laughs> and, and what we found out how it was cleaned up was basically taking buckets of water and dumping it on the floor. I guess that, you know, cleans up vomit, but you know, or, what can you do? Oh, or <laughs> as we all know, Squatters. as we all know, the solution to pollution is dilution. And so we just spread it all over the carpet instead of take care of it in a small location. Right. <laughs> That's Smell right. Spread equally. <laughs> Eric lives in Portland, so he's very familiar with squatters and homeless and all the stuff that's going out, going on out there. Yeah, it's it's rough, and especially in a building like that. I'm surprised that with all the typical biohazards that you see with living in a space like that, that that wasn't even a worse problem than what it was. Yeah, I know. I'll read between the lines on that one. Thank you, Eric. We'll we'll just let that go. I'm happy you didn't do carpet samples, right? Yeah. (laughs) We'll walk on my bare feet on that carpet. Yeah, no two-second rule on that dropping the food. So No. (laughs) So, Rachel, what are you seeing with homeowners out there as far as, you know, getting into people's homes uh, as far as, I'm sure you're getting the whole gamut of everything from mold to asbestos to everything else out there. Oh, yeah. We're finding um, all kind of things. Uh, we, we specifically uh, work with indoor air quality professionals that target the homeowners. So they go into the homes, 
they, they test the homeowners for a variety of different things as well. Um, one of the things, I mean, I have a story about that too. <laughs> we were testing Good. a home in San Francisco and it, it was a, a nice home. It was a, um, you know, a really nice condominium. Um, you wouldn't expect to find any problems in a home like this. And the homeowner was getting sick every day. Uh, she'd wake up in her room every night and she was sick. And when she was in her room for an extended period of time, she was getting ill. So, of course, she thought it was mold because, you know, I, I get it. First thing comes to mind for me is mold as well. You know, it potentially mold. But we started measuring, looking for all the allergens, and it was nuts. We found a crazy amount of mouse allergen in her bedroom. I mean, it was wow. super high. It's actually the highest we've ever seen thus far, still. Ooh. And uh, what we found was she was living next to a forest preserve, and she had her window open every night. And what we think is maybe mouse allergen was coming in, because they did, they looked through the house, couldn't find a lot of uh, mice, but she could see mice out in the fields when she was walking. So there was a correlation between having the windows open and the mouse allergen that was coming into her room. So it could be something just simple like that. And I've had that happen with my clients. Like we've had cat, dog, horse proteins, cow. What else have I seen? Um, chickens. So <laughs> these things, like if you live in close proximity and your house is next to a farm or even down the road, you're going to pick these things up and they become airborne and then they travel and you open your windows and boom, you exactly. get a concentration. And mice, you know, you think they're small and they don't really do much damage, but obviously if you get enough of them, you know, I think they say there's a thing like where there's one, there's a hundred or something sketchy. <laughs> exactly. And the mouse allergen is found just like with pet allergens. It's found in the saliva. It's found in um, on dander. Um, it's found in urine. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of, you know, it's a little animal, but you have a lot of sources of allergen there. No kidding. That's brutal. And and from a homeowner point of view, they were opening the window up, getting that fresh mountain fresh air, air, right? You know, hey, I'm going to exactly. put this fresh mountain air in, not knowing that they were contaminating their space with it. Exactly. Yep. Man, that's brutal. I what know. do you guys, I wanted to dive into one of the big hot buttons out there that are, that's still not being really addressed by building professionals like it should be. But can we talk about asbestos for a little bit here? Because I know this is such a hot button with, with homeowners and uh, we were talking kind of before the show with Michael and I'm on a bunch of the different social media groups as an admin, we have our own. And I can't tell you how many times that I see people diving into a project that has got a greater than 50% chance of asbestos containing mm -hmm. material in it. And they're asking for better help on how to do it. And they're already knee deep into the project. What are you seeing with asbestos out there when you're doing the, some of this measuring? What? Well, actually, we're not measuring for asbestos. That oh, would be really? really cool. good of a yeah. That's definitely something that we're looking into in the future because we're constantly expanding our menu and seeing what people want um, to test for. But, but Mike, uh, yeah, but Mike, Mike can let us know all about it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I, <laughs> that's right. I can, and I would say that uh, from what I know of the air <laughs> answers, that it seems to me like that would be a. Um, uh, certainly a contaminant that you could add to your profile because basically the air mm -hmm. answers is just uh, grabbing particulates out of the air and then it's being subjected to laboratory. It's being pulled off of the cartridge or wiped off of the cartridge and then subjected to a laboratory analysis. So they could certainly, I would think in the future, add that to it. And then that just gives it oh, uh, yeah. another dimension to it. As far as the um, scenario that Eric was talking about, though, unfortunately, we see that all the time. I'm involved in one right now. We got called by the insurance company because uh, there's a water restoration project, a house flooded, water restoration contractor came in, did not do their due diligence, um, assumed that the carpet that was on the floor was the flooring, and the carpet that was on the floor was on top of nine-inch by nine-inch tiles, which... Um, 
from our own experience and the studies from around the world, if they're nine inch by nine inch tiles, it's like a 99.99.99% yeah, exactly. chance that Amen. they're going to be asbestos. <laughs> we don't even test them. I mean, that's, that's weird for us as a inspector because, you know, we can make a few bucks uh, taking the asbestos sample, but we just tell our clients at that point, it's, uh, I'm not trying to cheat you here. Those are just going to be asbestos and let's treat them as such. And in this case, like I said, there was carpet on top. Somebody made a mistake. They pulled the wet carpet off, and then the subflooring was damaged, and some of the tiles were loose and came up with the carpet. And instead of stopping right there, as you know, I think contractors for the last 30 years have been told that this stuff is out there. But they just kept moving, and both the restoration contractor and the subcontractor that was doing the flooring ended up pulling up some of these tiles. Uh, the homeowner was concerned about it. Homeowner actually knew more about it probably from listening to programs like this than the contractors <laughs> and questioned them on it. Once the contractor was questioned, then the sampling got involved and then the insurance got back involved and then they called us in. We ended up doing sampling around the entire house and found uh, asbestos in, I think, three of the 12 samples that we took. But the the sand, samples are representative so it basically meant that there was asbestos that got spread around the whole house so right now that house is being ah. cleaned the one insurance company is trying to subrogate which means that an insurance company is now suing the subcontractors insurance company so that they can figure out who needs to pay for all this and the homeowner's been out of their house for about two and a half months and is just desperately waiting to get back in after all the cleaning's done. Brutal. Yeah. Bless you. Man, you have oh, been fighting. You. You've been oh. fighting allergies for a month or two now. What's going on? I don't know. I think I've got mold. You've got mold, mold in my building. Well, you guys had all the flooding and stuff. I'm not surprised. You should go to examinear.com and see what you've got in that air. So that way you might be able to deal with it because you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I need to figure it out. You're right. Examinear.com. I'll go there. Go to examinear.com. Brutal. That's almost like having a fire in the home and them having to go through and clean every little piece in the house and, and get that put back together from just a small kitchen fire. Oh, yeah. You know, in situations like that, the smoke gets out, it pressurizes into some of those wall cavities and stuff. Uh, we had a case in North Carolina just a little while ago where the kitchen fire ended up uh, pushing up through the attic and uh, it didn't get cleaned properly the first time. The homeowner came back in and said, no, I can still smell it. And everybody swore up and down that there wasn't any smoke residue left or anything. And uh, unfortunately, what happened is, like I said, it got up in those chases and into the cavities that went all the way up into the ceiling. So then it had a, a spot down in the basement where they could, uh, where the air could get in and uh, upstairs in the attic. And then it just depended on the season. If it got cold, then the cold air from the attic would push down through the space and push it into the house. Whereas in the summertime, warm air would tend to rise up into the attic. And so it wasn't so bad. But uh, we got to help with that investigation. That was a little bit tricky, but those are always kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rachel, are you seeing stuff like that where where seasonally things can uh, can be off the charts, and then other seasons maybe it's more under control with some of the contaminants? Yeah, we we are definitely seeing that. Um, we're seeing that in terms of like if you're talking about dust mite allergen, we're seeing that. Um, if you're talking about molds in high humid environments, which would make sense. Um, we're seeing that more, of course, in the summertime. Um, but we do see quite a few things that you wouldn't expect um, out of season. So um, talking about, you know, people's homes, um, we do quite find things quite a bit when in, in seasons that you wouldn't expect. We found pollens before in, you know, off seasons. And uh, I, I don't know if it's just uh, the particulates get stuck in the home, if they're if they're just still there and, and recirculating. Um, but we do see that quite a bit as well. That's what I was going to talk to Mike about. Mike, you know, one of the big concerns I think we have is HVAC, right? And what these forced hot air systems do and having duct work and how this sort of, you know, you've got an asbestos problem in the basement and all of a sudden it's all over the house and these 
HVAC systems work sort of as a, a traveling vehicle, if you will, for all this particulate. So, I mean, how do you feel about HVAC and ventilation and filtration and things? I mean, do you have maybe your own perspective on how we can kind of work with these contaminants? Because we know that these forced hot air systems are not going to be going away anytime soon. Well, thank you for the question. But the fact of the matter is, is that we look at it like the, I know it's a travel pathway and everything, but they're basically the lungs of the house. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, from my perspective, I don't uh, necessarily uh, recommend that uh, ductwork gets cleaned every year or anything like that. But you know what? It's a major component of your house. And if you're just like your gutters or something like that, you know, one, you need to make sure if they get full or if there's some problem with them that you take care of it rather than just ignore it. And then number two, I, I'm thinking uh, our experience has been about every four or five years just because of the amount of dust and debris that gets in these systems that they should be cleaned. And they need to be cleaned by real professionals, people who actually understand what they're doing and aren't going to do more damage to the uh, you know ductwork and to the systems and things as they go in. But, uh, yeah, there's a real problem. We were talking, um, Rachel was talking about out-of-season sort of stuff. We get that all the time. People don't expect it. Uh, the allergens and the molds and everything uh, are worse in the fall. And it's, uh, we come in, we do the inspection, and we find out that it's in the uh, HVAC system. It's in the drain pan. It's then in the ductwork, and it's gotten all around. And the people want to mm-hmm. know, well, why is that? How come I didn't feel this bad during the summertime? when it was obviously dehumidifying, the system was dehumidifying, there's more water in the drain pan. It's like, well, that's probably the case. It's actively growing in the drain pan. It's got so much water, it doesn't have to spread spores into the air because it's just physically growing across the uh, surface of the drain pan, the uh, coils, the uh, you know, the, the first part of the duct next to the furnace or the air conditioning system that gets wet and has the actual liquid in there from the condensation. And so the mold is quite happy. It doesn't have to spread spores into the air at that point. It can just keep growing. And then when things change in the fall a little bit and a little bit less humid, uh, they switch between cooling and heat on different days and evenings and stuff. Uh, things start to dry out. And the next thing you know, uh, the mold reacts to that and says, okay, I can't just keep growing uh, physically like this. So to survive, I'm going to send spores uh, and say, hey, let's just get out into the air there. And then that's what the people start to sense as it comes through the HVAC system and they, they get hammered. Let's have a house party, right? <laughs> That's what they're saying. Hey, let's get around and let's take over the house. You know, it's it's like, all right, we're gonna party now. We're gonna have mold everywhere, and we're gonna have mold everywhere. The other part of that, of course, is where's the filter for the HVAC system is on the return air side. So that, you know, from my perspective, just as an indoor air quality professional, I've always been trying to figure out some better way to do that because. Uh, okay, so let's put all the contaminants in the house, and then we'll catch them at the end. Uh, and and originally, of course, the filters on the heating and cooling system were designed just to protect the fan motor. They just didn't want big, sure, you know, bugs and stuff jumping in there and and messing up. Keep the cat out of there. Yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, from a from a contamination standpoint and from a health standpoint, that's probably not the best way to run our HVAC systems. Makes sense. Yeah, because, yeah, and yet you'd have to have something there because otherwise that fan motor is going to collect every little bit of junk and contaminate it there. But at the same point, you kind of want to, I see what you're saying. If you've got mold and, and mildew and other things growing around that, uh, those evaporator coils and stuff, then you've got to have something there to, otherwise you're just catching it before it comes into it again and you're not really stopping it on the way out. So can I uh, add just a, personal bugaboo here and maybe a warning for your uh, listeners and everything. And I'm, Dive in. I am not trying to, uh, you know, make enemies with anybody in the industry or anything like this, but you know, th- there's this whole idea of putting UV lights on the uh, HVAC systems. There's a good way to do that. And there's a bad way to do that. 
and of course, if they want to put uh, ultraviolet lights in, which does help to prevent uh, mold growth and bacteria growth and uh, things like that, putting it in the uh, heating and cooling area so it shines on the coils and the drain pan to help to keep that clean, that is absolutely, uh, you know, a reasonable approach in many cases. But these ideas where they take a UV light and go down the line and stick it in the ductwork and uh, suggest that, you know, as the air blows by and as the mold spores blow by at, you know, 300 feet per minute or something like that, that the UV light's going to kill the mold spores or even the bacteria. I mean, that's the science on that is, is so bad that uh, I would just warn people to be careful of that. That's in my book that most of those where they're putting it in the ductwork uh, is actually more of a scam than a fix. Yeah, they have to be. Well, I think I think we want to be clear, though. There are UV light systems, UVC technology that actually does work, but it has to be properly sized to your CFM and it's got to be properly sized to your flow rate and things like that. So I don't want to deter people from UVC technology because there's definitely a lot of technologies, especially now that they're using the long term bulbs. They're also using Eric and I just had a company on called Air Sniper. Um, mm -hmm. that's developed out of Canada. Yep. So, but these are specially designed UV light systems that are made for air infiltration. So, but if you're thinking about getting, let's just say a traditional, um, HVAC system, maybe made by, you know, I don't want to say brands, but your typical brands that we hear about, if they're installing like this little bulb that looks like it's the size of, <laughs> you know, a ruler and they're sticking it in there and they're telling you you're going to have airflow, um, and it's going to disinfect. Absolutely. Right. Mike, like it's not working. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's only going to work on the coil. We work with, yeah. um, commercial systems all the time. Hospitals use, uh, UVC and to great effect, exactly. but, uh, like you said, Carolyn, they design the system so there's enough Around light energy and enough time in terms of like a long straight duct run so that, the the system can do what it's supposed to do but these like i said these kind of uh, bolt-on systems where they're yeah, gimmicky bolt-on band-aids yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's just uh it's tough and the the problem then is that we get involved we do these inspections and the people uh in some respects they're just bewildered or baffled they said well you know uh we we put this system in or the guy sold us. He told us that we weren't going to have this problem. Um, if I can do one more, I, had, I did this inspection just a few years ago, a uh, very nice older couple. And she, the wife just started having uh, a whole sequence of health issues. And they um, did some research online. They decided that it might be mold. Uh, we ended up getting the call and ended up going up doing this inspection. And the house looked really good and didn't see much of anything. And so I was a little bit bewildered because her symptoms certainly lined up with mold. So uh, getting to the point where we're looking at the mechanical system, I said, well, let's just make sure we're, you know, got all our bases covered around, look at the coils and that sort of stuff. And uh, uh, the husband was, you know, pretty excited about it when I was going to look at the mechanical system. It's, oh, this is, it's going to be fine because, you know, we paid, we've got the special filter. It's an anti-mold filter that's in there. You know, mold won't grow on it or anything like that. So we're pretty, you know, I'm almost positive that it's not going to be the mechanical system. Okay. But let's take a look. Anyway, I opened it up. <laughs> they had put the filter in like a year and a half ago and had never changed it. Ooh. And they had yeah. <laughs> about, um, three-eighths or Ooh. half of an inch of uh, debris on the face of the filter. And then, you know, that had slowed down the air moving through everything. So then there was condensation in the front of the filter and all this debris. There was mold actually growing on the debris on the face of the filter. And uh, when I pulled it out and was just uh, kind of aghast and showing it to him, he's like, well, that can't be. They guaranteed that there was going to be no mold that's growing on the filter. And I explained to him, I said, I don't, you know, when I dig down, I don't think there's going to be mold growing on the filter. It's growing on the half inch of debris that's on the filter. So, it's like a woven Mexican blanket wow. sitting right there. You know? yeah. it's like... <laughs> oh. So just you know, too many cases like that where people understand they're trying to do the right thing, God bless them, but either the maintenance and the follow-through isn't there 
or they don't understand what they're buying or they're just being, you know, sold a bill of goods in some cases. And that's the, you know, the problem of the world today is that people have to be knowledgeable consumers and they have to have a, a better idea of what's going on. And that's why this show is so important, quite honestly, is because you guys cover so many different things and you help people make their way through the, um, you know, list of things that could be, you know, helpful to them or things that can be, you know, hurtful in some respects. And we all know, like even learning from Eric, right? Like I learn from him every day. It, home, being a homeowner is like a plethora of problems. Like got to get into it, realizing like it's going to be 10% joy and like 90% issues that you're just going to have to deal with. And it's constant rotating door. I mean, there's never something that isn't going wrong. And I think homeowners kind of think they're going to buy a home and it's going to be this palatial palace that never has an issue and it's just not the way it is yeah and the fact that you know we're in many cases when we've got uh, people who are suffering because of the from a health standpoint because of the air quality in their home we often try to explain to them that you know let's take one part of the home that we can work with right now and build a bit of a refuge you know a lot of times it's that bedroom uh a lot of times it's supplemental air filtration right in the bedroom because of what we were talking about with some of the things coming through the HVAC system. Um, you know, but there's just different areas that we can help people with. And I also want people to understand that just because we're professionals, and I'm speaking for myself, I don't want to speak for Rachel, but speaking for myself, just because I'm a professional doesn't mean that my house is perfect. Uh, I do have a basement that looks like an ongoing experiment because I try different sorts of building products and, uh, you know, different things to try and make sure that I'm as mold free as possible since that's what I'm known for as a mold expert and stuff. Uh, but the fact that yeah, my house is not perfect either. So that's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys, let me ask you guys, is there a construction method out there that's healthier? Like you'll see. Great example. You'll see a crawl space or a full basement or a slab on grade. Is there one that you're noticing more troublesome than the others? From my perspective, it's any uh, construction technique that isn't maintained. So it doesn't matter oh. whether it's a basement, mm -hmm. a crawl space, a slab, <laughs> um, or uh, the other aspect of that, um, if it's just not built properly. Uh, we did a case in California True. a few years ago where uh, they were having a slab on grade, uh, very expensive housing development, uh, should have been, you know, no mold. And, uh, after just, uh, about a year and a half, there was mold on the underside of most of the carpets and most of the houses in these, in this uh, subdivision. And, uh, uh, you know, I was working with some local people out there, and eventually it got bad enough. I went out and did an inspection myself. Craziest thing, uh, why was the water coming up through the concrete in a relatively dry area of California? And the yeah. fact of the matter is they were building the next um, portion of the subdivision just across the road. And I went over just to see how they were building it. And... Uh, as I was talking to the builder, they were using their same subcontractors and stuff. And he had been telling me about how good the concrete was that they were using and making sure that it, uh, you know, wasn't porous after it sat and all that stuff. And as I go over and watch them pouring a, a new floor in one of the uh, buildings that they're building again, I see the uh, concrete coming out of the truck and it's like soft serve ice cream. It's coming out real slow and gets down into the uh, floor with the rebar and everything, and the people have to drag it all around, and they're working really hard. And so a couple of the workers jump up on the truck and start using a hose to spray all the concrete down and essentially add a whole bunch of additional water to the concrete, which means that you've changed the whole mix portion of it, and it's now a slurry. And, of course, it's real easy for them to float because they can push it around and everything, but they, they didn't have the quality of the concrete. They were using about a third less concrete in each um, floor than what they had uh, planned on because they were adding water and spreading it. So ultimately, it didn't seem to make a problem to be a problem to the people who were doing the building, 
But a year and a half later, that concrete wasn't as sealed and as dense as it was supposed to be. So moisture was coming up and getting onto the back of the carpet. And there's the mold. Wow. That's amazing, you know, and up here, at least, you know, in my area, I'm in Portland, Oregon, so we have a lot of water issues like that. Nowadays, when you see them doing slab on grade, we have to have foam, we've got to have vapor barriers, we have to have all that down underneath that concrete up here to meet building code. And it sounds like in California that they don't have to follow that. Well, uh, maybe they do, but were they in this one? They weren't. <laughs> I don't want to speak. Might to, have been a good idea. Yeah, I don't want to speak to the law. I'm just telling you what I saw. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, you know, Rachel, what are some of the things that you're seeing now that are the, the biggest, hottest items out there that you're testing that might be surprising to some of our listeners? Oh, yeah. Um, we're testing for mycotoxins are a big thing that uh, we're starting to test for. Um, we're getting a lot of people who are feeling Ill, Ill in their homes, um, who are particularly immunocompromised or people that have any kind of um, health issues. And uh, so we are seeing um, mycotoxins in their homes, which we necessarily wouldn't expect, which is which is interesting. Um, we're also seeing a lot of, we test for different types of molds that indicate a lot of um, water damage. We are, we are finding those and we're particularly finding actively growing mold in areas behind walls. They'll have somebody who's getting really sick in their bedroom, um, particularly in, in stucco homes. Um, we, we had a complaint about that. Um, bedroom, everything looked good, didn't smell anything, didn't see anything. Um, we detected really high levels of actively growing mold in the home and uh, they ended up finding it behind the walls. So we are seeing things like that that you wouldn't, people wouldn't expect to find. Um, we are also seeing a lot of homes where people buy hypoallergenic animals and they think, okay, well, I have this hypoallergenic dog it doesn't produce allergen. Um, my kid's allergic, but he's still getting sick. How can that be? Well, and then we're finding that, you know, there's there's no hyperallergenic. You have animals, they're still going to produce allergen regardless. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing a lot of different things that you wouldn't, you know, normally expect to find. I've got to so, jump in. It makes everything really interesting. Let's put it that way. Well, I, yeah. I want to jump in for just a minute and see if I can't. Um, backfill just a little bit. So when Rachel was talking about mycotoxins, those are poisons that are naturally produced by mold as it grows in different areas. Mm -hmm. And there's certain types and certain conditions that the mold has to grow in to produce those poisons. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to just throw a plug toward air answers here, but I'm going to anyway, because uh, in the past, uh, as a home inspector, I've been able to do um, surface samples for these mold poisons to help figure out, well, maybe it's not just the allergen nature of the mold. Maybe it's actually the poisons that's making the people sick. Um, and the medical community has recognized this for a long time. So you can actually get a urine test and they can, uh, you know, balance that for mycotoxins as well. But what was missing and what air answers is actually kind of exciting why I am incorporating into more of my inspections is because the homeowner who's sick can get a medical test to determine if they've got mycotoxins. Okay, then we can do surface testing to determine if there's mycotoxins. And a lot of times we'll test the dust like from the return air filter to get a, a longer look at what's going on in the house. But this air answers now where they can run a sample for a few hours or a day or two and then actually detect mycotoxins in the air. That's brand new technology. And that is, to me, that's really exciting in terms of being able to help people actually figure out what's going on in their, you know, lives and in their homes. And a lot of the problem too, Mike, with the blood work is that people will go to a physician or a functional medicine doctor and they'll get back a mycotoxin test and your doctor will say, okay, you have mycotoxins. And then the homeowner is left or the client's left trying to figure out where this is coming from. And these things can come from food too. A lot of people think mm -hmm. they'll show up, you know, 
um, at a consultant and they'll say, I definitely have mycotoxin in my home and you can evaluate it. And they don't because they're getting it from food sources. So that's why something like Air Answers would be great because you could put this in your home and, and actually see real time. Okay, do I have a mycotoxin problem or is it coming from the kale chips I've been eating? I've seen that with clients like, you know, picking it up. From, they eat kale chips like 15 times a day and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I have a mycotoxin problem. But it wasn't their house. So Rachel provides that great yeah. immediate data. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, Rachel, you brought up stucco. You know, probably 20 years ago we started seeing – some issues out there. There was that big drive it lawsuit where you saw it in condominiums and stuff where they had mm-hmm. put the foam and the early stucco on it out there. And that stuff had problems where it failed. And you would see commercial buildings in downtown cores that were condo projects that were, you know, 12 stories high with scaffolding around them for a year as they tore the exterior off and put it back down. Those were still used in homes and many times that never got taken care of like those big class action lawsuits at the time did yeah, or the warranty stuff. And those homes are still out there and they still, and the problem with the stucco is, is when the water gets behind it, it doesn't show it like it was a wood siding. It kind of that concrete layer hides it. And so many times you don't see it still starts coming through the drywall on the inside. And -hmm. at that point you've got a massive mess. That's what I heard. That water. I didn't realize that it was hundreds of thousands of dollars to repair these stucco homes when they have a mold problem. I had no idea that it could cost that amount of money. And EFIS, well, EFIS was the synthetic stucco that they saw problems in with developments. You know, there were like multi, multi, multi million dollar lawsuits where people got really sick because of the stucco. But there were these individual homes, like Eric's saying, where they aren't part of this class action residential community. And people just live with it for years. And I had a client once where they had EFIDs um, and they also had high volatile organic compounds and they also had mycotoxin exposure and the client had cancer and she passed away in the home. Oh. And so the client hired me to come in to investigate the entire scenario because he was co- completely convinced that she died in the home and she would get cancer when she'd come back to the home. They'd go away to a home in Florida her cancer would improve. She'd get better. She'd go through treatment. She'd be fine. She'd come back to the home again and the cancer would reappear. So obviously not a case you want to get called in on, but I did. And that was what I uncovered that there was significant problems. And so they did go to lawsuit for years to try to go against these builders with, you know, all kinds of um, liability, but it's very hard with these health situations to actually prove that it came from the, you know, the scenario. But she yeah. did have multiple factors that could contribute to her having cancer. Sure. And I'm actually involved in a case, um, not the end of this week, but next week, I'll actually be going out to a house that's exactly like Carolyn is talking about. They've got scaffolding around the whole thing. It was a, a EFIS sort of situation. And as Eric said, you don't see it, right? I mean, it's not like the stucco or the outer surface is coming off or anything. Their hairline cracks. It's around the windows. It's just a failure of that system and enough water gets in. And in this particular case, it was pretty typical. The sheathing that they used is uh, Orient strand board and OSB is Mm -hmm. just um, mold food as compared to plywood or something else. Eric knows how much I love OSB. It's just my favorite product. And people people are always trying to tell me, Mike, how great it is. And for 25 years, I've been saying it's junk. Like, get rid of it. Exactly. But, no. but come what on, Carolina keeps you in business. So. <laughs> but this whole house is uh, just like you said, Caroline. It's, it's uh, sheathed in uh, scaffolding right now. And, uh, and then the crazy thing is that they're sequencing this so that the – mold on the inside on the back side of the drywall they had to uh, build all their containments on the inside because as they strip the outside off it put more air pressure and then get rid of the insulation on the inside and all of that and it would just if we if they didn't have containments on the inside it would have pushed even more mold into the house than what they had originally but similar sort of situation the uh the wife was sick uh, didn't quite understand why she was sick and uh multiple years uh, progressively worse symptoms just horrible stuff and it uh, most likely i i'm not a medical doctor so i can't make that necessarily the connection but my experience would say that yeah her exposure in this house 
most likely contributed to her ill health effects because it's that same pattern that you just described. When they would get out of the house for a few weeks for vacation or something, she'd get better and they'd come back to the house. And they, I mean, they kept looking. They had multiple inspectors, but they were looking on the inside and couldn't find it. And that's where, again, the air answers, I think, is uh, helpful because it picks up you can run a longer sample. We've been using spore traps for a long time, but they're 10-minute samples, and sometimes that's just not long enough to get a good look at what's mm-hmm. going on in the house. So the, you know, something like an air answers that you can run for days or, you know, even just a few hours at a time, that gives you a better look at what's going on in the structure, and it starts to answer more of these uh, difficult questions. If it's all visible and it's there on the HVAC or it's, you know, uh, growing on the side of the basement wall, uh, that may not be the, you know, the more difficult ones. But the ones where you can't really see it, uh, it's it's so helpful. I'm looking at Mike and behind him, our audience can't see, but he's got things on the wall. (laughs) And that's how if you have pictures or photographs or paintings that's a great way to see if you could have potential problem. And in the house that I was in, the reason I found the mold was I took the the painting off the wall and behind it, it was completely covered in black mold. And oh. so for some reason, the moisture had been trapped. And so those are things like take your pictures down, make sure you're cleaning. So it'll give you a clue as to, oh, I might have a mold problem somewhere hidden. You know, we've got a big hidden problem here. And, and, and again, I'm in the Portland, Oregon area. Our climate from about... Halloween till Memorial Day, we can have multiple days of rain each week. And, you know, we could have two inches of rain during the week. The problem we're going to have here, and I'm seeing it all the time because I share these pictures with Caroline, is that we have a lot of condo mixed-use buildings that go up in our region that are stick-built. So you'll see OSB plywood out there. They'll start out, by the time they get the roof system going on this, where they're going to start to dry out, the bottom two floors, and it doesn't matter if it's OSB or plywood, are jet flat black from mold and mildew growing on them. And then, by the time you see that, you're seeing the house wrap go around the thing, (laughs) trapping all of that inside. Now, there's materials they could be using out there, like some of the zip systems and some of the stuff out there, where you've got a waterproof or water-resistant surface going on up there, at least that you're not going to have that growth on the outside of it. But each one of these new buildings, which are now meeting all of our new energy standards, which means they're not breathing, they've trapped all this mold and mildew inside. I keep looking at this going, man, if I had a, a, a house or a building that's brand new that was framed in the wintertime that was more than two stories, I can guarantee you, you're going to have some issues in our climate. And that's one of the reasons that you're seeing uh, situations where even builders are being um, brought to task on this. And, and of course, in a situation like that, one of the things that we're seeing is that they have to come in and uh, either soda blast or, you know, just there's, there's no good way once you've got that stuff up short of soda blasting or sand blasting or something like that. You can't really take a wire brush to it because of all the nooks and crannies. You've, just, you've got to use a more aggressive system and at least do that before they start putting finished materials in. Get it clean. Oh, yeah. And they're not because I, I go, you know, I'll go around the block the next time and <laughs> I see the guys out there half wrapping the building and you're like, oh, there they go. But it's it's going to be a problem here, I know, in my area and any one of our climates that have this this rain issue with these taller buildings is it just takes them long enough to frame it that, you know, it's, you might as well have that plywood literally sitting in the bottom of a pond for a month before they get to it. <laughs> so do you like it when you um, see the um, bunks of the uh, gypsum board just sitting there and uh, it goes uh, like nice. three inches into the mud when they drop it off the truck there? And oh, yeah. then they just same kind of <laughs> yeah. thing, same kind of thing. It's just like, come on, guys, really? Are we doing this? But yeah, it, it's I, I'm a great example. I was I've been a kitchen designer for almost 30 years and I was working in the Seattle area and it was a stormy day. I was going out to measure a kitchen and I walked into this development. I walk into this. This is a million dollar home 
beautiful entry, second story, big sweeping staircase framed up. This was, they were just sheathing the top roof on this and they didn't even have tar paper up. I walk in, they're doing some touch up framing on the inside because of the sill plate in the construction. There is an inch and a half of water on the floor, the first floor. <laughs> there is a sheet of water coming off like it's a water feature off the staircase coming down below. And there's a guy <laughs> out at the pole who's running the lights and everything on the inside that's hitting the GFCI breaker about every 30 seconds when it shorts out because all the extension cords are underwater. And you'll hear him go, power, click. Then they'll have power for a minute or two. And I'm walking there. And it's just water coming off. They That house just got built like everything else in there. The next week, the electricians were in, the plumbers were in, roofing went on, and there's people been living in that house for probably a decade now. But that's what you see, and it just blows my mind that that's going to be any kind of a healthy home down the road. That's scary. And there's... Because you move in and you think, oh, wow, this looks beautiful. You have this beautiful home. Aesthetically, it's all wonderful. And you don't really know what you're in for in the future. Yeah. It's it's something as a homeowner, if you're having a house built, I would sure want to be paying attention to that stuff to make sure mm-hmm. that you're doing that because that's just ripe of problems. Get an air answer right now. Just plug it in. <laughs> right. As soon as you move in, plug it in. Well, at least plug it in. At least do it while you're under warranty. You know, <laughs> I don't yes. know right? yes. how the home warranty is, but you don't want to wait until after that's over before you get one. You know, Michael, that brings up a really good point. So I try to advise my clients, and I don't know what you tell them too, but a lot of people think if they have a water damage situation, they're going to be covered under homeowners. And that's just not the case anymore. A lot of these riders and these allocated funds that you used to get for if you had a leak or you had a flooded basement, they don't exist anymore. So do you have any recommendations? Like I usually try to tell my clients to take out a rider on their homeowners to specifically ask if they're going to have mold coverage. But what have you seen with insurance companies? Well, insurance companies uh, since uh, 2003 and the big uh, Melinda Ballard case down in Texas have run from mold as fast as they can. So (laughs) the only sort of mold coverage that you get in a standard policy anymore is, is if it's forced on the insurance company uh, by the state and things like that. But it's typically limited um, in most areas. And I'm speaking generally because it is, you know, it's different around the country and everything. But in most cases, um, mold coverage specifically is uh, restricted to either five or $10,000 on a standard homeowner policy. So again, it's That's one of those lot. things. Which is nothing. I mean, you could blow that in a second. And and what we can guarantee is these homeowners are going to have a moisture problem at some point, whether it's a dishwasher, washing machine, kitchen, bathroom, you're going to have a leak. It just happens. And, and the water portion of it, a lot of times is covered, right? And so the difference mm-hmm. or the difficulty comes in sorting out what is the water loss versus what's the extra cost from the microbial contamination. By the way, that's the way they're writing it up now uh, so that they're not stuck just with mold in case there's a bacteria issue or some other thing. They're actually writing the policies as microbial contamination and either eliminating that or, as I said, putting a cap on it so that, uh, you know, the, the... actual leak and the replacement of the damaged drywall from the water or the, um, you know, got underneath the wood floor and buckled the floor that might be taken care of, but the subfloor, the area inside the wall cavity where the humidity was before they recognized it or before the leak got bad enough that it actually showed, uh, all of a sudden you've got all the secondary damage that the insurance companies are saying, Hey, you know, we'll cover it, but we're only going to cover it up to your policy limits because you didn't buy a rider, which are available. And as you suggested, Caroline, uh, you know, depending on who's doing it or, you know, if we need to get involved and have to document some things potentially for a legal matter, it's not unusual for the uh, mold cap to be used up by the inspection. And then right, there's exactly. nothing left for the remediation. <laughs> and that's, that's not something I'm proud of, or I'm trying to say that, you know, we're trying mm. to take advantage. I'm just saying that that's, 
there's a lot of these situations by the time Wonder Makers gets involved in it, a lot of times we're the second or even the third inspector in because the, you know, the first few folks, not that they didn't do the right thing, but they just, they either don't have the credentials to fight the insurance company or to help the homeowner, or they just realize this is not an, uh, an area of expertise like it is for us. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Crazy, right, Eric? That, yeah, like, you know, you might not be covered for something this major. Yeah, and Caroline, you and I have talked about in the past, and it was years ago when I was on an NHB stage at the uh, Design and Construction Week that I was talking to builders saying, why aren't you testing your homes before you hand them off, especially if you're saying it's going to be something that's healthy or green or anything like that? Why are you not doing air testing before you hand the house off? Because that homeowner could bring in furniture or anything else or, or belongings that are very contaminated and then they're going to say that your house is contaminated. Why are not Why are you not reducing your liability at the time that you're handing keys off, saying, "Hey, here's our air test. We're good as gold. Now it's up to you." Well, I I would respond to that from my end because you you do see a little bit more of that in the commercial end, you know, because they're mm-hmm. uh, responsible for these lead buildings and they have to have certain energy performance and everything like that, and you can't control in some respects you can't control when people come in and start messing with the dampers right so the the builders uh in that case they're measuring the energy performance and even some of the uh air contaminants and vocs uh, you know making sure that they don't have a lot coming off from the um, osb and the spray foam and that sort of stuff before the clients move in because then like you said eric they're bringing in all their stuff and part of that stuff is people and you can't necessarily control the people. So, uh, you know, that's the builders have to protect themselves and they do that through this, um, pre turnover testing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'd be good if they would use particularly the, the air answers and get some of those, huh. you know, multi-contaminants <laughs> in there to be able to detect that. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, guys, we're starting to run out of time because we're blasting through the hour here. Uh, Rachel, for instance, how would people track you guys down and uh, maybe get an air answers unit into their home if they've got an issue? Great. Well, uh, you could either contact our company. It's uh, www.airanswers.com. Go to the website and fill out a contact form. Or you can contact an in, an indoor air quality professional and find out um, from them if they can uh, come into your home and, and uh, do a monitoring for you. Cool. So, Michael, how um, about you over there? Well, uh, <laughs> that's right. There you go, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. They can call us and that's uh, just like uh, Rachel, the website is always a good place to go. So that's www.wondermakers, wondermakers.com. And uh, either that or call us and we've got a 888-382-4154 that will get them in. So guys, no is there, excuse. Yeah, no, nobody no has excuse. any excuse. Everybody monitor exactly. your homes. And if you call our company, we'll let you know which in qual- indoor air quality professionals we work with. And uh, Michael is a wonderful option. <laughs> nice. Is there anything we didn't cover, guys, that we should be touching on here today? Uh, I was just going to throw out the, you know, there are also um, the revolution in some respects is not just with air answers but some of the actual monitoring systems that are getting mounted in the house that uh, do you know wi-fi feedback and they actually allow the homeowners to get alerts so if you're away on vacation and the humidity starts to rise up meaning that there might be a water leak or there's something else that's going on almost like a fire alarm uh, they can get announcements to that and they can even have people respond to that except instead of as i said for a fire it's now more indoor environmental contaminant so i'm watching that there's a number of good systems that are out there uh they don't necessarily replace the inspection the inspector the samplers but uh these are all just different parts and pieces that help to make our health our houses a little bit healthier yeah, those things are almost like a smoke alarm. They're going to tell you you have a problem. It might not tell you where it's coming for or what the problem so much is, but it'll at least tell you that, hey, 
from what I've seen, at least out there on the technology side, that, hey, you've got an indoor air quality issue. You should pay attention to it and do some more research on it. Exactly right. That's cool stuff. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. Well, well thank you. Thanks, this was so much fun. I was just going to say I've had more fun with you guys. Looking forward to listening in and uh, keep up the good work, please. You guys are doing an amazing job. Thanks so uh, much. Thank you so much. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. house. Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.